You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. A Grand Forks woman seriously injured in a terrible crash says she got the runaround from ICBC over her support and recovery services. And a warning, some of the video in this story is disturbing. Kamal Kuramali shows us what happened and how the insurer responded. Dawn McKenzie is still recovering from a car crash in late spring that's left her temporarily in a wheelchair. But one of her greatest sources of pain has been her battle with ICBC to keep her support services, physiotherapy, personal care, and more. When I got the email from the claim specialist on Thursday that all my services were cut, I went into, um, of course, instantly crying. Back in June, Mackenzie in the dark red hatchback is rear-ended at this intersection in Grand Forks. Moments later, she gets out of her vehicle when suddenly the other driver accelerates, running her over, leaving her seriously injured in the middle of the street. Mackenzie was taken to hospital and treated for what she says were nearly 30 broken bones. ICBC granted McKenzie 22 hours per week of support services with no end date given. But by mid-November, she was informed those would be reduced to six hours. Her monthly benefits slashed from $3,200 to just over $1,200. I think people believe that this no-fault insurance, you get put back in your life, stuff gets taken care of. They don't understand that. It's the bare minimum. She says after a recent assessment, ICBC suggested she take the handy dart service to her physio appointments, which she says runs infrequently and doesn't provide door-to-door -door service. They want me to take a service I don't feel comfortable using. With four bones still healing and unable to walk, Mackenzie kept pushing back. Last week, ICBC did an about-face, restoring her service hours, admitting there were gaps in the assessment that led to her service reductions. That assessment didn't fully explore the travel options available within her community, particularly door-to-door travel. ICBC not committing to how it would avoid these gaps in the future. How dare you treat the people of BC like this? I have paid insurance for 30 years with no accidents. Leaving Mackenzie worried her next assessment could once again lead to reductions of her critical services. Kamal Kuramali, Global News. With COVID still hanging around, the flu running rampant and children coming down with RSV at an alarming rate, the issue of sick days is back in the forefront. It's been less than a year since the province brought in mandatory five paid sick days for employees. And now, as Grace Key reports, some union members want it to go much further. Less than a year after eligible B.C. workers were entitled to at least five paid sick days a year, the B.C. Federation of Labour is calling for an increase to 15 days after a recent convention with more than 1,000 delegates. And it came to the floor of convention from the delegates, which are the people that are working out in the field. They're the people who are using the current paid sick leave. They're the people who are supporting workers in the field who are, uh, you know, dealing with sickness. 
To be eligible for sick days, you must have worked with your employer for at least 90 days. The Federation says that's a problem for some industries. It's complicated for folks in certain industries, construction, film industries, where often their jobs are within that 90-day window, and those folks are not even covered. It also talked about... Um, trying to get rid of the stigma around even using sick days at all. The Canadian Federation of Independent Businesses estimates small businesses with 10 employees could lose $17,000 a year. With five sick days, 15 would triple that. So even, even the possibility of increasing those days above the current five to, you know, a whopping 13, 15 days would definitely be, I would have to say, very devastating for business owners and couldn't come at a worse time given their current uh, revenue losses and what they're going through in terms of inflation and, of course, rising interest rates. B.C. remains the only province to legislate five days of paid sick leave. A statement from the Labour Minister reads in part, after broad consultation with workers, employers, health experts and other stakeholders, we heard that five days was a fair and balanced way forward for our province. The convention was held more than a week ago. This is something the Federation will be working on in the coming months. Grace Key, Global News. A Vancouver doctor says if the province is serious about increasing the flu vaccine rate in kids, they need to set up clinics in schools. It would make the vaccine easily accessible, but so far the province has rejected the idea. Richard Zussman has more. Schools are home to reading, writing, music and gym. And if one PC doctor had her way, they would be home to flu shots as well. I've actually heard it from both parents, both in my school setting and as well as patients. And they're all asking me, why can't we do this in school? The province is in the midst of launching a new campaign to encourage kids to get the flu vaccine. But other than a few COVID vaccine clinics, there's been resistance to use schools. Flu vaccination rates are woeful among children in BC. Six months to four years old at 21%. 5 to 11-year-olds, 20%, and 12 to 17-year-olds, just 15%. If that is the only barrier to getting shots, then that could make things, that could bring that rate of flu shot uptake higher. The province currently runs vaccination campaigns in grade 6 and grade 9 at schools, but they've been resistant to do so for seasonal campaigns like COVID or the flu. Those school-based models for COVID-19 didn't prove overall to be um, as effective here in BC as we would have wanted. And and so we're, we're, um, I think, uh, working hard to give everyone an opportunity to get vaccinated. We've heard from families that that's not their preferred um, place to have children immunized, although we do often use schools after hours. The province is currently booking all shots through the Get Vaccinated system, and it allows for kids of all ages to get immunized at the same location. But some parents would like the province to reconsider the use of school-based clinics. Probably save some time to parents. They're running from a place to another. We had to go to a clinic and make appointment times and there weren't very many so if they made it easier to vaccinate the younger kids I think that would be a good thing. And time is running out. Flu season is expected to last another six to eight weeks with worries the worst could still be ahead. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. David Eby's new cabinet will be sworn in tomorrow at a ceremony at Government House in Victoria and with more on the possible picks We're joined now by Keith Baldry. Keith, what have you learned about who's in the mix? 
Yeah, one thing we're learning over here is David Eby's keeping his cars very close to his vest. No leaks yet. Everything's about speculation. And I've talked to cabinet ministers and MLAs. Everyone's asking each other the question, who's in, who's out, who's new? So I'll engage in some speculation as well of some of the new faces that you could see emerge in tomorrow's swearing-in ceremony here in Victoria. First of all, in terms of new MLAs, keep your eye on Nikki Sharma from Vancouver Hastings. Uh, even talk, she could be the next Attorney General. Dan Coulter of Chilliwack, the personal young MLA there is expected to make the leap to cabinet, as is Andrew Mercier in Langley, an area the NDP historically has never won until 2020, and Roshna Singh in Surrey Green Timbers. So those are some of the names making the rounds right now. There are others, of course. Uh, again, we'll get the details at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. Other names uh, being bandied about, uh, Brenda Bailey out of uh, Vancouver Falls Creek, uh, Pam Alexis in Abbotsford Mission, perhaps they make the grade as well. Uh, we expect people like Bowen Ma to be promoted from Minister of State. There's talk of a new ministry being created, Chris, to deal with climate emergencies. That's right up Bowen Ma's alley, so perhaps we'll see that tomorrow. In any event, it all comes down at 10 o'clock tomorrow. At Government House, we'll be carrying that live on BC One. All right, we'll look forward to that coverage. Thanks very much, Keith. A labor battle is brewing at BC Ferries over a rule many people don't even know exists. Men working in certain jobs are not allowed to have facial hair, and the Ferry Workers Union is pressing for religious exemptions to those restrictions. Aaron MacArthur reports. Boarding a BC ferry, the traveling public might notice a lack of diversity when it comes to people with facial hair. While there are exceptions, most shipboard workers are required to be clean shaven by the Ferry Corporation, a policy that is discriminatory according to the union representing workers. We're looking for the ability to uh, provide you know, meaningful work for our members. Talk team, go on air. The policy stems from a risk of shipboard fire. Crew members would be required to enter confined spaces with functional respirators. Slowly. Okay. According to BC Ferries, facial hair can impede a tight seal. A grievance has been filed with the company seeking exemptions for at least three employees for whom beards are part of their faith. According to the union, one worker, Manpreet Singh, hasn't been able to sail now for six months. Some of our members have been offered uh, different work, not work that they uh, normally would do, and, and we would say that those sort of offerings have not fully contemplated the uh, duty to accommodate. The union or the worker could take it up with the Human Rights Tribunal. According to BC Ferries, the policy is actually enforced by WorkSafe BC. The company in a statement saying the health and safety of our employees is the number one priority for BC Ferries. BC Ferries works to accommodate workers who are unable to shave, but will not exempt them from regulatory requirements designed to protect their health. According to WorkSafe BC, though, there are options. Stating in an email, while the employer must select the most appropriate respirator, which may require a face seal, there are options that provide equivalent or better protection than ones requiring a face seal. The union has suggested alternatives to the company, but the company says those other types of equipment provide a lower standard of protection. There are certainly options out there for members who uh, observe the, the Sikh faith or, or other faiths and uh, those who have medical reasons where they, where they couldn't wear the uh, current mask that uh, Ferries has with a seal. Considering the shortage of marine workers and the chaos staff shortages have been causing to schedules, a more diverse, inclusive hiring policy might be a simple way to address some of those issues. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
International interference in Canadian affairs. Shocking allegations the Communist Party of China is illegally operating so-called police stations in Canada, including at least one in Vancouver. Why Chinese nationals are nervous and what Canada is doing about it, next on the NewsHour. A North Vancouver firefighter sending critical supplies to Ukraine and what he needs from you for his upcoming mission. Also, Chinatown's beloved security guard about to walk his last patrol through the neighborhood. That's later as well. But right now, a civil rights group says Chinese authorities are operating a secret police station in Metro Vancouver. China says the offices are set up for mundane reasons, like helping people renew their driver's license. But critics see the long arm of the Chinese Communist Party extending its reach where it shouldn't. Krista Dow has the story. In today's changing world, the presence of security cameras and scrutiny is something we've come to expect. But in a new report, it's the extreme level of oversight and by whom that has many concerned. It is a very dangerous example. Instances of illegal and foreign surveillance, an investigation by civil rights group Safeguard Defenders, found several so-called secret police stations operated by Chinese security authorities here in Canada. At least one is in the Vancouver area and there are three in Toronto, in a network of more than 100 secret stations in 53 countries, covert outposts run by the Chinese Communist Party, according to the report. Former journalist with Tsingtao Daily, Canada's largest Chinese-Canadian newspaper, Victor Ho, says it's a blatant violation of Canadian sovereignty. It is a uh, bad signal that the uh, Chinese government exercising their power without limits and without any international laws. The aim to keep watch on the Chinese diaspora, like Chinese fugitives or those vocal against the Chinese government. Ho believes the secret station is located somewhere in Richmond, hidden inside a restaurant, a real estate office, anywhere. There have been plenty of protests criticizing the Chinese government. China is an increasingly disruptive global power. And in recent weeks, more examples of the superpower's overreach, with China alleged to have interfered in Canadian politics. Ho is calling for immediate action from the government. Ottawa should have a strong message to the embassy of China here to state that this is unwelcome um, behavior. The Chinese government described the offices as volunteer-run stations to process things like driver's license. The RCMP says it's aware of the reports of these so-called police stations and is investigating any possible threats or instances of foreign interference. Krista Dow, Global News. Police in New Westminster say they've pulled $2.4 million worth of drugs off the street after a routine traffic stop. It happened on November 27th on 12th Street near Stewardson Way. Police say the officer noticed the vehicle had significant front-end damage and was registered as failing to stop for police in a nearby city. When the driver did pull over, the officer searched the car and found drugs, including 8 kilograms of fentanyl powder, 1.5 kilograms of crystal meth, and another kilogram and a half of heroin. 
The driver was arrested on scene. Uh, they have been released uh, pending investigation. Uh, drug investigations are complex, and we do hope that in the near future we will be able to uh, provide more detail on the individual arrested and the uh, potential charges. New West police say they often seize large quantities of drugs during investigations, but this case is unusual because it was a significant value for a traffic stop. Still ahead, a communication breakdown. Final decision was I would not be flying that day. How WestJet bungled his flight and what they did to make up for it. And the increasing popularity of buy now, pay later, and why you might regret it. Winter maintenance has the HOV lane closed westbound to traffic, westbound traffic on the Portman Bridge tonight, so expect some minor delays from Surrey on the approach. When renewing your ICBC Auto Plan insurance online, select your nearest Sussex Insurance when prompted. For all online broker benefits, peace of mind, and best rates, select Sussex Insurance today. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. All right, online shopping ramped up a lot during the pandemic, and so did those buy now, pay later plans, particularly among younger consumers. But those in the business of helping people get out of debt say it's a slippery slope. And with more, here is Consumer Matters reporter Andrew. Ann. Thanks, Chris. According to Payments Canada, younger Canadians between 18 and 34 years of age are significantly more likely to use buy now, pay later plans now and in the next 12 months for purchasing in store or online compared to older Canadians over the age of 55. Now, right now, there are several major retailers who offer this service, even for smaller priced items. If you're not familiar, buy now, pay later plans allow consumers to make an upfront payment payment toward their purchase and then pay off the rest in small installments, often interest-free. However, for some plans, depending on your payment method, some fees may apply along with interest charges for late payments. If you fail to make payments and it leads to overborrowing, the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada warns these types of plans may put your credit at risk. And credit counseling experts we spoke with are warning you need to be very cautious. Consumers should really understand how much money is coming into their household and where it's going. And if the item that they wish to purchase on the buy now, pay later basis, that they should have a clear understanding that one, they have emergency savings set aside to deal with life events that occur. And two, that they can easily manage this expense without too much difficulty. My advice would be save up for it. There'll be other deals that come around the corner. And it's so much nicer to be able to pay for something up front and not have the worry that I've got this, li I've got this liability. The Financial Consumer Agency of Canada says before you commit to a buy now, pay later plan, ask yourself, do you really need the item you plan to purchase? Can you pay off the balance by the due date and determine if you can afford the highest interest charges and applicable fees if you miss a payment or simply can't pay off the balance by the due date? And of course, always read the fine print. Different buy now, pay later plans vary, so it's really important you read the terms and conditions. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me. At consumer matters at globalnews.ca. Great advice as always. Thanks very much, Ann. A BC man says his recent experience with WestJet is highlighting just how many barriers remain for people with disabilities. He was trying to board a flight from Victoria to Kelowna 
when he was denied because of the battery on his wheelchair. Kylie Stanton reports. The batteries are somewhere down there. They power every move this wheelchair makes, what can only be described as a lifeline. They got no leg function, but uh, at least they got arms and hands. An accident on a piece of machinery a year and a half ago left Tim Kubash a paraplegic. Learning to live with the disability is one thing, but experiencing firsthand the barriers he's now up against is another. It's a bit of a raw deal, to be honest with you. This past weekend, the former golf course superintendent was presenting on the topic at a conference in Victoria. But it was when he went to board his flight back home, he ended up with some more material. Westgate gave me another barrier that I had to deal with. Upon checking in, there was no record of Kubash's wheelchair accommodation request and only concerns over the type of battery powering the chair. But Kubash says it uses a gel cell battery, which according to the Federal Aviation Administration is approved as safe for flying. Ultimately, it was up to the pilot's discretion. The final decision was I would not be flying that day. WestJet has issued an apology and confirmed the airport team in Victoria missed gathering information about the battery prior to check-in. Going on to say, while typically this type of situation is rectified promptly, unfortunately the system our airport team uses to verify dangerous goods information, which includes batteries, wasn't operating correctly. Attitudes and environment always disable us. And this is what happened. And the fact the incident took place on the International Day of Persons with Disabilities comes as no surprise. Unfortunately, Tim's experience is quite the norm. People need to be trained properly and look at us as equal citizens in this country. And that's not happening yet. Kubash will be compensated for the overnight stay in Victoria and was able to get on a flight the following day once the battery was cleared for travel. But it's an ordeal. He says no one living with a disability should ever have to face. Yeah, this is a barrier that hopefully I can help break down. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Federal Court has uh, Federal Court of Appeal has largely upheld Canada's rules mandating compensation when airlines cancel or delay flights. The rules require passengers to be compensated for issues under an airline's control. There's still plenty of dispute about what that actually means, but airlines, including Air Canada, took the Canadian Transportation Agency to court, arguing the regulator didn't have the power to impose the rules under Canadian or international law. The court rejected that argument, except for one provision dealing with delayed baggage. Airlines now have 60 days to appeal to the Supreme Court. Coming up, he paid a price for protecting the neighborhood, but he is loved because of it. The Chinatown security guard, once beaten on the job, prepares to leave it. And cold weather gear for the war effort in Ukraine. The clothing drive organized by a local firefighter who's seen what it's like near the front lines. Well, despite a crash up ahead in Coquitlam, eastbound traffic on Highway 1 through Burnaby is moving pretty well, with just minor delays at merge points like Wellington and Kensington. Have a million gifts to give? Scratch the perfect gift off your list with Scratch and Win tickets. Available at your local retailers, 19 plus to play. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center.
After nursing his injuries for three months, a beloved security guard is back on the streets of Vancouver's Chinatown, where he was the victim of a recent random attack. While his valiant return is being welcomed by merchants, it's also bittersweet for him. Global News followed Harold Johnson along on one of his last patrols. Kristen Robinson reports. Following his instincts and making notes, he's been the eyes of Vancouver's Chinatown for two decades. Comes in and makes me smile every day. Checking in with merchants. Harold's been around forever. He knows everyone around here and, and everyone knows him. No problem. Who call him when there's trouble. He's always, you know, there, there for us and backing us up. He's keeping Chinatown safe. 20 years down here. But Harold Johnson's days of helping keep the neighborhood safe are coming to an end. My final days on the 15th. Chinatown needs you. I think it is time to get out of Chinatown. Harold and his shopkeeper wife's sense of security shaken when he was attacked on the job in August by a stranger. He could have died. That guy kicked him one more time. That would have been it. I'm still having the nightmares and headaches. I mean, when I get a headache, it's nasty. Putting his health and safety first. Are you worried for him? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Harold is calling it quits months ahead of his planned retirement next year. He wanted very much to fulfill uh, one more year. He can't do that now. It's too dangerous. Are you going to miss him? Very much. Yeah. He's our friend and our family. We're going to miss him so much. Along with the rapport. Put it back, sir. <laughs> nice man and strong man, right? Yep. <laughs> his sense of humor will be hard to replace. What's your proposal, Sergio? I know. <laughs> He's put a lot, a lot, a lot of heart in it. Everybody in Chinatown's family. We all work together. I got to look at the bright side of this. It's a wake-up call. Harold and Brandy will take some time to ponder his next move. For now, she's the boss. No, no. Like we usually do. See you later. Yep. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Good luck, Harold. Well, the BC SPCA says it's seeing an increased demand for pet food bank services this year. Officials say the food banks have helped an extra 1,200 animals this year with a week's supply of food, compared to this time last year. One of the food bank's clients is Brent and his golden retriever, Sally, which you can see here. Sally has also been a recipient of jackets, leashes, and toys. We are seeing similar rates of donations, so we're getting just as many donations as we were last year. Um, unfortunately, we're just having to spread them thinner um, due to the need that's come up. Um, and this need is created through like the Vancouver housing crisis, through um, climate change emergencies, like all the floods and fires um, from the last year and this year. Uh, so it's, it's definitely been interesting to see the amount of people accessing these services. Right now, the SPCA's main need is donations of dry and wet cat food, as well as cat litter. Two anonymous donors have also agreed to triple monetary donations up to $45,000. So get in touch with them if you do have room to give. Now, the annual National Day of Remembrance and Action on Violence Against Women Shoe Memorial has returned to Metro Vancouver. This solemn day comes on the anniversary of the murder of 14 female students at Montreal's École Polytechnique in 1989. Today is a call of action to eliminate domestic and gender-based violence. The Shoe Memorial is a way to remember the women who no longer walk among us.
First, we need to deal with the issue of why this violence is happening. We need to get to the bottom of, well, is it a mental health crisis? How do we deal with that? Is it the patriarchy and the oppression of women? How do we deal with that? Is it toxic masculinity? How do we deal with that? We need to work with all levels of government. All the shoes and boots collected from the memorial will be donated to women's emergency shelters across the region. And just ahead, like mother, like daughter. I've been thrown off a bus. I flipped off walls. A BC stunt performer and actor in high demand and how she followed her mom into the business. And coming up in sports, one of the best receivers the BC Lions ever had announces his retirement. Join Global News Morning live from the Pan Pacific Christmas Wish Breakfast. Come donate an unwrapped toy and make Christmas a little brighter for families in need. In partnership with Forest BC, investing in energy for a better BC. Christy's here with a look at weather. A lot of people in this region, Christy, can deal with rain, they can deal with snow, but it's that thing in the middle, that freezing rain thing that really causes all kinds of problems. And we were so lucky this morning. There was actually a chance uh, through about 11 o'clock hour that it was starting to show up on the radar, but we lucked out and it disappeared quite quickly. So freezing rain can be really dicey. If you were to ever run into really icy conditions, by the way, let your foot off the accelerator. Don't step on the brake and allow yourself to slow down naturally and keep your steering wheel straight. That's what they recommend. We still have a risk of freezing drizzle as we continue through the evening hours through these areas here. You can see that boundary zone between the milder air and those areas that are getting a little bit of flurry activity. Uh, the precipitation is not going to be heavy, but it's enough that it will bring in that risk. And we even have a risk in areas like Nanaimo and through the east coast of Vancouver Island. Uh, but it's really the Fraser Valley that's in place with that uh, weather space statement. Now, we have a wind warning for the southern Gulf Islands, Victoria area, and a snowfall warning for the Howe Sound region, Squamish up towards Whistler. And that's with the next system that's going to roll in tomorrow. So tomorrow we're going to see a sort of a cloudy, drizzly kind of day. But the next system will bring in wind and rain for the south coast and heavy snow for the mountains, including Whistler. We also have a snowfall warning for these areas here, and that's because of an Arctic front. You can see the pulse of snowfall there. It will ease through the morning tomorrow, but still significant snow expected overnight. And there's the moisture for the south coast area. So a cloudy, drizzly kind of day with that risk of freezing drizzle in through the early morning, overnight and early morning hours. Uh, but there's that next system driving in, bringing wind and rain and heavy snow to the local mountains. It will be a great weekend for skiing if you if you're a skier because there'll be so much. There's a look at your forecast. So some snowfall for the Caribou Central Interior, mainly in the morning, mostly dry across these areas here, but still that Arctic air entrenched. Again, that risk of freezing drizzle along the east coast of Vancouver Island, particularly Nanaimo and through the Fraser Valley. Overall tomorrow, though, cloud and a bit of drizzle, but it will be warmer tomorrow with highs reaching about five degrees. By tomorrow evening and tomorrow night, though, it's certainly going to be wet. We'll see that rainfall into our Thursday morning. Generally, we've got a bit of rainfall on and off over the next little while. Temperatures and freezing levels are going to drop once again this weekend, so it brings in that potential for snowfall once again. But so far, we have nothing that we're watching out for, but it's just a heads up. Tonight's center windows weather window coming to you from Salmon Arm. Terry's sharing this with us. This is little Casey, and I just thought it was too cute. I had to share it. All right, Chris, back to you. That's a lot of sticking the snout in the snow, and I have a dog <laughs> yeah. who enjoys doing the same thing. Thanks very much, Christy. 
Well, many firefighters say they feel a calling to the profession, but one district of North Vancouver firefighter is going above and beyond his duties to help people half a world away. As Catherine Urquhart reports, Gerald Reynolds is leading a campaign to get warm clothing to Ukraine to help them through a bleak winter. Those adults or kids sweaters? At Fire Hall Number 3 in North Vancouver District, a winter clothing drive is underway. Nice. These are all jackets. Firefighters here and across the North Shore are collecting coats, hats, blankets and gloves. An effort to help people in Ukraine, where many homes are now without electricity and people risk freezing to death. And we've said, okay, this is doable, but we need to get a whole sea can worth of clothing in about three weeks, which is very ambitious. Jared Reynolds is spearheading the initiative, his third time helping the war-torn country. So these are going to head to Ukraine soon. Three months ago, he worked to send over a 200-bed military field hospital after stumbling across it in a storage area. The decades-old stretchers and cots were long expired for use in Canada, but were much needed and appreciated in Ukraine. Individual first aid medical kits. Recently, he traveled to the region with 400 pounds of trauma gear, which he took to the Poland-Ukraine border. Reynolds says he was moved seeing so many Ukrainians underdressed for winter conditions. So I came back and threw the idea out to um, the Defend Ukraine Foundation, which is who we've been partnering with kind of on the logistics side uh, about getting a winter clothing drive. That drive is being supported by fellow firefighters who helped pay for his previous flight and time off. Proud of our members, our local, uh, for supporting Jared in this project. Um, everyone has families and people in need, and this is, this is a big project that we're really like to support. If you would like to help, the cold weather gear is being collected at fire stations across the North Shore until December 18th, then shipped to Ukraine December 20th. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. What a gift for the folks over there. Okay, a gift to us is Squire Barnes. Oh, and really now nice. with a look. Very nice of you to say. Well, hey, so that was quite a hockey game last night. Well, it was crazy. You don't see many like that. Nope. And for Canucks Nation, it had the right ending. We'll talk about that. We also want to talk about Lions receiver Brian Burnham. This was a surprise that I didn't like. Mm -hmm. He announced his retirement today. Um, it's time to move on. It's, it's just the right moment. Say it ain't so. He said he knew this would be his last season, but he didn't tell many people he wanted to play it out without any hoopla. Also tonight. High risk, high reward. The BC stunt performer enjoying the spotlight in one of the year's biggest movies. I have a confession. I saw that it was 4 nothing, uh, and it wasn't the Canucks with four goals last night. I did not turn the game on, and well, I regret I, that decision. I, I don't, well, you should regret it, but I don't think anybody can blame you for that. <laughs> There's a lot because of people. Because you see, it's like, oh, I'm not, I don't want to put up with that. Yep. There's two more periods of ugliness, which was not the case. And I'm not sure how many people actually saw the full Canucks comeback last night. Actually, there were two comebacks when you think about it. They allowed Montreal to take a 4-0 first period lead. Now, you couldn't blame people for, at that point, flipping over to Disney Plus to see if there's a new Star Wars series starting. <laughs> Vancouver rallied from that deficit. 
Then they gave Montreal the lead back, and then they rallied from that deficit, and they won 7-6 in overtime. The last time the Canucks came from four goals down to win was way back in 1973. Come up with it, get it back to Matheson. Pedersen knocked him down. Just going to get away with it, too. Pedersen attacking from the side. He scores! Man, we got the two points. That's all I can say. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't care how we did it. We got it done. Um, obviously, it was not pretty. It made it pretty hard on ourselves, but, um, you know, we showed a lot of resilience tonight. The, the thing that I'm going to really take away from it, and it's happened a couple times now, is, is I think our team is starting to believe that they can, you know, when they get down, they can still they can still make a game of it. And uh, that's a belief that if you have that, I mean, you're never out of it. So after eight years as a BC Lion, Brian Burnham is retiring to his home in Tulsa. During his time here, Burnham made catches that looked like they were designed by Cirque du Soleil. He filled this show and others with highlights, and he was a player the Lions loved having, both management and fellow teammates. He leaves as one of the best receivers ever in this team's history. Actually, probably you could say one of the best players ever. Time after time. Burnham would make these kind of catches, one-handed, in a crowd, no regard for what might be sore because of an awkward landing. And he did get hurt, but he never shied away from doing what it took to catch the ball when he got back from an injury. He's truly one of the gutsiest and talented receivers the BC Lions ever had, and he played this season knowing it would be his last year of playing football. Um, it's time to move on. It's, it's just the right moment. I feel physically amazing. I feel like I'm still capable of being the top receiver in the league. But it's time to move on. And uh, I'm proud of the fact that I can walk away from this game on my own terms. Work towards the corner. Man, it's been an amazing ride. Amazing, amazing ride. And uh, I wouldn't change any of it. I wouldn't change a thing. All right, uh, World Cup today. Boy, this was something. Morocco and Spain go to penalty kicks. They were 0-0 in 120 minutes, and Spain did not score on the penalty kicks either. Yassine Bono, who was born in Montreal but plays for Morocco, made all the stops, and Morocco wins it. And Cristiano Ronaldo started on the bench for the Portuguese in the Portugal-Switzerland game. They didn't need him. Goncalo Ramos scored three goals, and 6-1 was the final for Portugal. So they'll play Morocco in the uh, quarterfinals. That's quite something. That's two teams from Canada's group who are still alive in this tournament. The Vancouver Whitecaps will be part of an eight-team Canadian Women's Pro Soccer League, which is hoping to start playing in 2025. So far, Vancouver and Calgary are the only two cities in, but they will fill out all the other six cities next year. And it has the backing of Canadian stars like national team legend Christine Sinclair. She'll be a big part of getting it off the ground. And everybody, everybody in soccer is hoping this is a huge success. Like most dreams, some of the details are a little blurry. We don't know the name of the league or where the Vancouver Whitecaps team will play, but we do know that the dream of a professional women's soccer league coming to Canada will become a reality in 2025. I've always wanted to play professionally and hoped I could in Canada. I guess like we've heard about it since we were like 12 years old, but never really knew when it would come to Canada. So it's really exciting to hear that there's gonna be a league. 
I think first emotions are really excited um, and uh, yeah just really proud as well that the club is stepping forward the first ones to kind of take that leap and and support the women's game. If you're thinking, didn't the Whitecaps have a pro team before? You're partially right. The Breakers became the Whitecaps and ran from 2001 to 2012 as a semi-pro team in the USLW League. It was also an era which was plagued by scandal involving sexual misconduct. The organization is still working on restoring its reputation in the sport. The new pro league will have higher salaries in hopes to be comparable to the NWSL, the American Professional League that formed in 2012 and became the natural destination for Canadian women looking to make a living playing the sport they love. The girls sort of, because they've grown up probably hoping that, that things will come along for them as well, they've sort of grown up some, uh, thinking something might come, but at the same time they've always grown up with this idea of I have to go play in America before I come home. Um, so I think for them it's, it's, it's reality that they could be playing in front of local fans and uh, building a fan base here in Vancouver and, and doing exactly what the men do in front of big stadiums too. Over the years, the Whitecaps have seen their best players move on to pro teams around the world. Right now, Vancouver's Julia Grosso is at Juventus, and Chilliwack's Jordan Haitema is playing for OL Reign in Seattle. No less than 17 players have come through the Whitecaps program and been a part of the recent Olympic medal-winning teams. I think it's huge just to be able to look at someone and say that person's like me and they are something that I can be as well and they're playing at a level that I can get to if I work hard enough. That's just incredible, I think, just being able to have those role models in your life and know that something that you want to do is able to be accomplished. There you go. Pretty awesome. All right, just to add, a BC stunt performer breaking down barriers in the movie industry following in her mom's footsteps. This is BC with Jay Durant is brought to you in part by Van Cam Freightways. BC owned and operated for 75 years. All right, Jordan Armstrong's here with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11 tonight. Jordan. Chris, we're trying to get to the bottom of an unsettling mystery in East Vancouver. Today, police were back at a home near Renfrew and 8th doing a very careful grid search of a property. VPD will only say it's a major crime investigation, but there is no risk to public safety. At 11, what we've learned about another police presence at the same home more than a week ago. Plus, talk of separate RCMP detachments for Langley City and Township. The debate at 11. Chris? Okay, thanks very much, Jordan. A local stunt performer is getting a lot of praise for her extraordinary accomplishments, including her work in Black Panther. And no one is prouder than her mother, who has her own history in the industry. The pair blazing a trail for black women in the movie business. Jay Durant has the story on This Is B.C. At this point, Maya Makutumpeg Murray has taken on just about every challenging stunt that comes her way. I've been thrown off a bus, I've flipped off walls, I've fought, and I've flown. Those hard knocks early in her career were the big test, though. I remember my mom always said, when you get hit and you get hit hard, you'll know if you really enjoy stunts or if it's not for you. And I remember getting hit on the ground and being like, Let's go. Let's go again. Maya's mother, Deborah, spent two decades as a stunt performer. She's experienced it all, but it's not always easy seeing her daughter in some of these scenes. 
a hit's a hit, and uh, watching it, it just it makes me cringe sometimes. This is a career that's been building ever since Maya broke into the business as an eight-year-old. Her work on Black Panther Wakanda Forever is her proudest moment so far. It was life-changing, especially as a black woman, to be a part of the Black Panther franchise. She came with me to the premiere of Black Panther in LA, which was amazing to share with her. Go! And a very proud moment for mom, too, seeing how far her daughter has come in a changing industry. Back in the day, you had fewer opportunities as a black stunt woman than you do now. And her taking it to that next level, opening up the doors for so many more black women to come through now. As fearless as Maya is when it comes to stunts now, there's at least one her mother did that she may be hesitant to try. The woman, she jumped off a bridge. I don't think that I would aspire to do that. But neither would turn down any of this action. Deborah may be retired, but always game for anything. Some of the stuff I wouldn't do, I mean, I'd probably do all of it, but probably not as well. Her level of fighting is at another level. Jay Durant, Global News. Very cool. All right, if you know someone who has a great story to tell and you want to share it, with the rest of BC, just email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. Some awesome fight scenes there. Okay, are we going to be fighting bad weather over the next uh, 24 hours? Let's find out. Well, it's only a risk of freezing drizzle through the Fraser Valley, east coast of Vancouver Island and Nanaimo area. Otherwise, a cloud and a bit of drizzle tomorrow, but we are expecting periods of rain and windy conditions late tomorrow and overnight. That's December on the South Coast. All right, thanks, Christy. Thanks for watching, everyone. Good night.